how do we really shine a spotlight on the founders, funders, and, and people working on the future of technology and startups in the region and help them get the support and resources they need to grow and scale here instead of fleeing to the coasts? So I guess I've always been somewhat inspired to make change when I see there's an opportunity to make it happen. Welcome to the Leader Workout Podcast, sponsored by Spirity. We exist to provide a forum for leaders to learn, grow, teach, and share tangible leadership principles and practical experiences with other leaders. Matt Cordio is the founder of two companies, Startup Milwaukee and Skills Pipeline Group, a technology recruiting and ecosystem development firm. Matt shares his personal journey to becoming a tech startup leader in the Great Lakes region, as well as the future of the Milwaukee area as a tech innovation hub. Tune in to hear Matt's leadership style that drives progress and innovation. Co-worker, friend, peer, companion in the fight for bringing the change in the technological landscape in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so I'm here talking to my good friend, Matt Cordio. How you doing, Matt? I'm great, Darren. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. So for people that don't know you, who is Matt and what does Matt do? Matt Cordio grew up in the Milwaukee area. I'm from Cedarburg. And I've always been entrepreneurial. Had the opportunity to start getting into tech and startups when I was a student at Marquette University. Kind of out of that experience, I realized Milwaukee, the tech and startup ecosystem, this is back in 2011, was almost non-existent. So talking about the need to fund, support, grow tech companies here in the region was not part of the dialogue in the community. And, and as most people know, technology is really transforming the way everyone is doing business. and. I felt like there needed to be more of a spotlight on the startup community and, and tech ecosystem here. So I, I founded two different groups back in 2011. One is called Startup Milwaukee, which is focused on advancing Milwaukee's tech and startup ecosystem. And the other is Skills Pipeline Group. So Skills Pipeline Group is a technology recruiting and ecosystem development firm managing brands like Startup Milwaukee. We've since scaled to Startup Wisconsin and also the Great Lakes region through a new initiative we call Five Lakes. And really, the focus of my work on the ecosystem development side is how do we really shine a spotlight on the founders, funders, and, and people working on the future of technology and startups in the region and help them get the support and resources they need to grow and scale here instead of fleeing to the coasts. And then the recruitment side of the company is focused on working with growing tech companies, primarily in the Southeast Wisconsin region, helping them grow their tech teams here. So acquiring top tech talent at, at a high level. That's me in a nutshell. Okay, that's great. That seems very audacious. What you're talking about doing is transforming the way that people see or perceive Milwaukee as a whole. And then on the tech front, in weaving in technology into making that happen. I mean, that's, that's pretty huge. What gave you the idea that you were the person to make that happen? Just being out of college when I was starting up these efforts, I think I went to Marquette. So one of the things that we're told at graduation is graduates from a Jesuit institution are meant to go forth and set the world on fire. 
And that quote, I guess, resonated to me. I think I've always been about challenging kind of the status quo in the region when it comes to embracing technology, supporting the talent that's working on kind of tough technical challenges. And I guess I didn't know any better than to go and start this because I really viewed the only other alternative to kind of building culture around tech and startups in the region was to leave the region. And that's something that I, being from here, that I didn't want to do. So it's been a long battle. I'd say we're like halfway there. There's a guy named Brad Feld who wrote a book called Startup Communities where he said it takes really 20 years to develop a startup ecosystem in your community. And we're not even halfway there yet. But I'm really excited and energized by the continued momentum and growth that a lot of our work and the work of other partners of ours in the community has done to really start to pull in kind of the ingredients like university involvement, corporate involvement, and government involvement in the startup ecosystem to ultimately do one thing, which is we're always focused on founders first. So supporting the true needs of an entrepreneur. They are the customer of the ecosystem. And we want to make sure they have the resources to grow and thrive right here in, in the Milwaukee region and now all the regions that we operate. So we're in 12 cities with Startup Wisconsin. And then we have this Great Lakes focus with Five Lakes. So one thing that remains core to what we do is staying focused on the needs of the tech company founders, though, wherever we are. That's great. It's, it's interesting because I too am a Jesuit graduate. I graduated from Marquette also. So, and I didn't even know that about you. So, yeah, I, I thought that you might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's sort of great. And I think one of the things that you're sort of talking about is that leadership, that you have to be a leader. There's not necessarily going to be someone to blaze the trail for you. You actually will may have to be the trailblazer. So, you're setting the world on fire. You're the one actually getting the match and getting finding some kindling and and going forward and putting it out in certain ways and keeping it going when it's starting to fail. And so for you, what was the moment that you knew that, because you are a phenomenal leader after having worked with you a lot, what was the moment that or situation that let you know that, you know what, I really am a leader? That's a good question. That's a tough one. I think it's hard to exactly pinpoint it. I think kind of throughout my upbringing, I always kind of had a role model of I was able to see my father, who started a successful company, started up. He left a very comfortable job at a, a very large company to go start his own firm. And just kind of having that type of role model, I think, helped me develop into wanting to take on a leadership role. And I just kind of have always been active. In high school, I started a youth worship program at my church. I started a magazine when we didn't agree with my friends and I didn't agree with what the school newspaper was publishing. So I guess I've always been somewhat inspired to make change when I see there's an opportunity to make it happen. So oh, that's awesome. That is great. Is your dad then that person, that leader that's had the greatest influence on your life or there? Or is there someone else that really was that, oh my gosh, I admire that person. I want to really model myself after them or model myself after a part of them. Yeah, I'd say that my dad is definitely somebody who I draw a lot of inspiration from. I'm constantly learning and reading leadership books, reading about other successful leaders in the tech industry and startup industry and what their strengths and at times what their weaknesses are. I'm reading a really good book on Uber right now and Travis Kalanick. 
who obviously built a super successful company, but that company certainly has had challenges and he, and he had a lot of challenges too kind of throughout his leadership path. But you know, an interesting guy, you know, Steve Jobs is always an interesting person to look at, his leadership background and whatnot too. But I like to draw inspiration from a broad group of leaders kind of in the tech and startup world. Got it. So, okay, so I'm looking for a book or, or I'm a, an entrepreneur, want to be a leader, or I'm a young leader, just want to, to be better at that. What's your book that you're going to send me to to give you that thing that, okay, I always go back to this one book. What, what's your book? It's hard to just name one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking yes. the hard stuff because yes. that's where the truth is. That's the piece. Because I mean, there's just so many people. There's so many authors and I'll give you some yeah. time to think about your answer. There's so many different authors, so many titles. We can self-publish. There's so much happening. But generally people have, there's just one book that you tend to reference more than others. What's that book for you? Yeah, I'm more of a quote guy. So I pull quotes from books and stuff. Okay. And I think some of the kind of sound bites, the authors whose sound bites really resonate with me and are like Peter Drucker, which is obviously very old school management theory. Read several of his books and find that he had quite a few nuggets in there. And then also John Maxwell. Now I'm on the spot. I can't pull up quotes from them necessarily. I had, but those are, you know, people that kind of got me into my leadership path. But now, you know, I just read Bad Blood on Theranos, and that was an interesting, you know, (laughs) an interesting dissection of the Theranos situation and really the lack of leadership there or the lack of ethical leadership at that company. But I think that often those type of books that dive deep into the culture of high growth companies and and the leaders behind them for better or for worse. Like I mentioned, the Uber book that I'm reading currently, those are just fascinating to me to kind of draw inspiration from what to do and what not to do. Okay. That's a great segue because I just <laughs> funny with Theranos and with Uber, I mean, there's been high profile issues that have happened based on some either cutting some kind of corner somewhere or trying to get to the top, but not necessarily maintaining some ethical balance. And I think there's definitely a thin line when you're talking about growth and creativity and trying to figure out how to make all that balance. And so I guess for you, what are some core values that you've sort of developed from a culture perspective that are key if you're going to ultimately grow and scale your business? Yeah. So I think it all starts with integrity and really doing business with people who are are ethical and straightforward and good actors in the ecosystem. So the people that we partner with and work with want to make sure they're transparent, they're ethical. And that I think is kind of the foundation of kind of building strong relationships in business. I think another thing that I, I always look for is people that are open to collaborate. And you have to be transparent and open to new things to be a good collaborator. A lot of what we've done at Startup Milwaukee, the accomplishments we've had, is not through our actions as ourselves. We have a very small team, for example, but the ability to partner with folks on different events and experiences, I think, helps create more collisions in the ecosystem and bring more people together and pull more people into our mission, which is really trying to advance the tech and startup ecosystem here. Great example is we've collaborated with you on different events with Startup Milwaukee. We really appreciate kind of 
the conversations and perspective that you brought to the table. That's kind of the core values of looking for people that are collaborative, are passionate about the problem that they're trying to solve, know what they're talking about, and are trustworthy, I think, kind of are kind of the core values that I have. No, no, that's great. And those are, it's not some advanced topic. It's just basic things like do what you say you're going to do. Be straight up, be open and honest. We're in this together. Be a good teammate. No one knows everything and no one has all the resources. We need to work as a team if we're ultimately all going to achieve a greater success. And when you're talking about moving a region, well, first a city and then establishing to a, a state and now to a region where you have the Great Lakes region, you can't do that all by yourself and you're not going to be everywhere and you don't have all the resources, but together we can create something that can be powerful. So love that approach and definitely agree with that and always enjoy working with you. And so, I guess the next piece I would ask you then is why should someone allow you to lead them? I mean, you're a great leader. I've worked with you a lot, but we're sort of selling that piece around you and what you do. Why should I want to let Matt lead me? Another tough question. (laughs) I hope that people that collaborate with us are, are open to working with us because we truly are passionate about making change in the whole region between the coasts. So to put in perspective the amount of tech and startup ecosystem activity that's happening in the Great Lakes region, so Wisconsin, Milwaukee is part of that ecosystem, we have 33% of the nation's STEM graduates from colleges and universities in science, technology, engineering, math. We have 31% of the university research that's happening here in the region. We're only attracting a little under 5% of the nation's venture capital investment. So we have a big challenge that we're facing. I hope that people kind of are open to collaborating with me and, and working with me towards kind of trying to get the Great Lakes region at its punching weight, which means we should definitely have a lot more capital being invested here in the region. And I hope that they're open to doing that by working on what they're doing and being willing to buy into the platforms that we provide through Startup Milwaukee, through Startup Wisconsin, through Five Lakes. So we we view ourselves as providing a platform for the organizations that are really working to change the tech and startup ecosystem between the coasts as a way to highlight what they're doing and what they're good at. And I think we try to do that by just giving first, seeing where we can add value and I think that is what has driven people to hopefully work with us and hopefully will continue to drive people to work and partner with us because we have a long way to go to really attract the attention of the folks on the coast with the capital to invest it right here in America's heartland. That's great. Okay, so why? We've got the talent. We have the universities, which means we're going to continue to produce more talent. I mean, that is one of the key performance indicators for successful business climates and ecosystems is having those two things. So why aren't we punching at our weight? Why are we going down and not getting that investment? And you've been in this for 10 years now. So what's your take on it? So I think that the Great Lakes region lacks kind of a cohesive message and platforms that make it easy for folks from the coast to come and connect with companies here in the tech and startup ecosystem. I think also too, a lot of our companies that are based here and folks with assets have invested those assets elsewhere, perhaps on the coasts. 
So instead of opening research and development office in Milwaukee, we've seen a couple large Fortune 500 companies decide to open research and development operations in Silicon Valley. And I think that we need to do a better job of educating and engaging all leaders in the Great Lakes ecosystem to really invest here in the heartland. The software engineers you can attract in Silicon Valley, you probably can lure here to the Great Lakes as well. But it takes effort and it takes also providing them with the right platform and the right resources to make those decisions and obviously justify them to the the folks they need to justify them to, which often are their shareholders or their board of directors who can rightfully be skeptical. If you're seeing all this innovation and technology stuff happening in the Silicon Valley, it seems like that's the place to be. But there's a lot of talent here in the Great Lakes region, and we need to focus on figuring out how to invest in it and keep it here. No, that is so great because you want innovation is what technology basically is fundamentally about efficiency and innovation. So how can we do something a different way and do it much better in a much more efficient manner? And that means different. Like if we're innovating, we're doing something a different way. Or if you go to where things are like in that ecosystem, the, the Silicon Valley ecosystem, you're going to get a Silicon Valley mindset. And then there's group think, well, you'll start thinking the way they think. And it really loses a lot of the innovation by being in that, even though it is thriving, but there's a lot of support as to why they thrive in that it's almost like if you're born into a more affluent family, you're going to get access to more affluent things. You're going to travel more, you get more experiences, you make mistakes, you have enough resources to recover from them. Whereas if you grew up in a family that doesn't necessarily have those resources, you may be looked over because you get your one shot and you don't necessarily make it. So that is the paradigm shift that you're sort of working on fixing it. So, and I'm in it with you and I, I love this. I love the fact that there's somebody championing that to promote what we have here and how awesome it is and how we can actually make that difference. And I believe you said we're halfway there, What it takes 20 years and we're 10 years in. So I got to stick it out 10 more years? <laughs> I think we do. I think we do. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. No problem. I think it's the owners for the Bucks have said they've invested in it. They said it's a great place. So I think you're on the right track. And so we got to just keep this thing going. So I really appreciate that. All right. So something a little bit different. What's your bucket list? What is some place if you were going to travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? What would you do? I like to spend time in the desert. So Burning Man, you like you're thinking about going to Burning Man? Is that I have thought of that. Okay, I love okay. spending time in in Utah and Arizona in the desert, hmm. in some of the national parks around the Grand Canyon and whatnot. That's kind of my favorite place to be. So, what do you do when you're there? A lot of hiking, thinking, and kind of recharging. I often spend too much time in the thick of things, as I think we always do as leaders, but. You know, just kind of not working is the goal. And also, I like to spend a lot of time up in northern Wisconsin too. So my family has some ties to the Wapaka, Wisconsin area, and, and I love spending time in central Wisconsin. Several of the great entrepreneurial businesses actually that are growing and thriving up there, like Central Waters Brewing and Ruby Coffee, which are, are two Wisconsin brands that keep growing and scaling and gaining national notoriety, but are kind of located in the middle of nowhere in Portage County. Well, that's awesome. Just love that New Glarus. I mean, there's just tons of stories of, I mean, where people are dying to come and get uh, across the border to illegally export 
our beer. I mean, that that's such a great yes. Wisconsin story. Yeah, I'm all about tech entrepreneurship, but I love also too, I think the state has a great history of making great consumer products, whether it's Harley Davidson, you know, motorcycles, which are now becoming very technologically driven, to the Aaron Snowblowers, Johnsville Brats, Sargento Cheese, Central Waters and Ruby, which are some newer food and beverage businesses. But it's great to support that ecosystem too, because those are companies creating great jobs all across the state here in Wisconsin. That's so great. All right. So we're coming to our close. I got one sort of difficult question for you to answer. And we have this idea of an objective right. It's something that when you're presented with it, you know you have to do it. And I'll give you an example. So when I was dating my then girlfriend and my children were, one was eighth grade, one was sixth grade. And I was trying to manage my weight So I bought a bunch of lean cuisines and I had them in a freezer and I came home one day and my daughter had eaten three of my lean cuisines and I was upset. It's like, I cannot believe she ate those. So I was telling my girlfriend at the time, she says, well, did you cook for her? And I said, well, no. She said, well, then you can't get mad because she ate the food. And you know what? As mad as I was, I was like, you're right. I mean, the idea is if you have children, you need to feed them. Otherwise, you can't get mad at what they eat if you don't provide food for them. So that's an objective right. It's something that when you're, that's the right thing to do. And when you're presented with it, you know you had to do it. So can you give an example for you of something where you were presented with something that you really were upset behind it, you really didn't like it, but you knew you had to do it because you knew it was the objective right? Yeah, this is another difficult question. <laughs> this is so good. I think that's uh, four. four yeah, good ones. yeah, I know. You did save the most difficult one for last. Yeah, I think of things a little bit politically too, because I think inevitably when you're trying to sh- change culture and change kind of the way a region does business, you're going to have to take stands that sometimes are counterintuitive to the long held beliefs. Of the region. And one thing that I've been vocal about recently is the need to ensure that here in the city of Milwaukee, for example, I think it's really important that we have more transportation options for citizens. And one thing that we've fought for is to ensure that electric scooters, which have made national headlines all over the place, are are on the street here in Milwaukee because I think there are fast fun. You don't see people looking upset on riding on a scooter in downtown Milwaukee that everyone's smiling and having fun. We initially took the position, which was kind of against the city of Milwaukee. The city of Milwaukee did not want to see electric scooters on the streets. You may remember an operator here launched and the city basically threatened to impound their scooters after they were around for a couple of weeks. So we kind of have lobbied for and a part of a coalition that got some state legislation passed to enable scooter operators to operate here in in the city of Milwaukee. It's great because through that process, I think it changed the perspective of, of leaders in the city. They became open to doing a pilot program. And I think that they enabled operators to at least test operating here in the city of Milwaukee. Early in on the pilot program, there was some controversy around folks riding on sidewalks. And one thing that happened was the the pilot program was halted. And and we obviously felt like that was halting progress kind of to getting this smart mobility implemented across the city of Milwaukee. So obviously, I was very vocal against 
the mayor's decision to do that, uh, to halt the pilot program. But you know what? It took about a week for things to pass over. But one thing halting that program did was actually get riders of scooters and get the operators of the scooters to comply with getting people off the sidewalks, which I live downtown Milwaukee. So I will admit it is annoying when people are biking, which happens all the time, or using scooters on the sidewalks and obstructing me as I'm walking around my neighborhood. And I was vocally against kind of slowing that pilot program. But then a couple of weeks later, after that pause had happened and the city revived the program and it's now in full effect still, I did get the opportunity to see the mayor at one of our events and said, thank you for putting that halt on the program. And it's, I think, obviously challenging to change positions, but in retrospect, do appreciate the type of change that he was trying to to bring. So I don't know if that's really my objective, right? And that's a really long story behind it. But I think being open to seeing other people's perspectives is something that too many people in this world right now are not open to. I think we're at times too closed off to hearing other people's ideas. And it's something that's really dangerous to the future of our society if we continue to be that way. So I think being pragmatist and seeing what's going to move things forward and embracing that, being able to admit when one's beliefs are wrong on an issue, I think is the sign of somebody that's a critical thinker and whatnot and not adhering to some ideology, which I think people kind of in this country right now are clinging to certain ideologies kind of in every respect a little bit too hard. So I think that just being open to embracing change and thinking through things through different lenses, I think is critically important if we want to see progress and move forward and ultimately create the change that we want to see in the world. That's perfect. That's exactly it. That is your don't get mad because your daughter eats your lean cuisine moment. Like <laughs> that is exactly it. Because that is don't get mad because the mayor halts the scooter exactly pilot it. program. <laughs> it's great. And then eventually you thank him later on for saying, "Yeah, he is yes, a parent." Yes, he, uh, so, he, that's what he mentioned. He's like, as a parent, I knew I would be able to solve this problem by halting the program for a week. And like, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess you're right. So that's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, I want to thank you so much for being on here. You're a catch just because I think you're a big person by doing a lot of the little stuff and bringing people together and keeping yourself out of the spotlight, but continue to move our region forward. So I just say thank you. Thank you, Darren. You're welcome. You're my brother. Anything we can do to continue to move the tech and leadership forward in our city. We'll continue to do that. And if you need me in the future, don't hesitate to reach out. I, of course, will. I'm always willing to put you to work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you, man. You have a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So for those of you that don't have time to listen to a full podcast, we're going to give you a one-minute leader workout, something you can do to improve your leadership in just one minute. This is your one-minute workout. Let us know how that's working out for you. So as a leader, we're about making change, and that inspiration comes from within. But the key to being a great leader is actually taking that action. So for your one-minute workout, what change are you inspired to make, and are you actually making that change? So is it shining that light on someone else who may not be in the spotlight, but really, if you gave them that little push, could really push even you to greater heights? 
this has been your one-minute workout. Let me know how that's working out for you. What area of leadership frustrates you the most? If you're a leader and want to join a community of successful strategic visionaries, we encourage you to subscribe to the mailing list to stay connected with the Leader Workout podcast community. Don't forget to rate and leave a review in your favorite podcast app.